Your brawl has returned to your life, and now you wait another year for another edition. What a game. What a way to get back your brawl back in your life from the tailgate scene to the fans outside the stadium to the fans inside the stadium to the freaking game. And it is week one for both of these two teams. So you expected new quarterbacks, new offensive coordinators, really a new feel for both teams, but coming off of different years, Pitt obviously best season they had in decades in ACC title, West Virginia, puttering into a mediocre bowl game they lost and trying to turn this around and really climb. And yet both teams had early, early game hiccups. And then we saw big plays. And overall, we saw a great game. A game Pitt did end up holding on for the victory, swinging momentum at the end off the pick six. West Virginia, I, I told you guys, I'll tell WV fans all day, and I'm sure the team feels this way. WV had this game in the grass. The pick six certainly changed momentum and kind of ruined things, and obviously the controversy at the end. But despite the controversy, West Virginia did let this one get away. But Pitt gets the win. That's all they needed. The W on the board certainly counts, and that's the most important thing to Pitt. As they start their year 1-0, they get the win in the backyard brawl, the rebirth here in Pittsburgh. West Virginia will have to wait until Morgantown next year to try to get some revenge, controversy or not, as they will start the season 0-1, despite really feeling like they really played well, at least from what the national media thought. Nobody picked the Mountaineers, and of course the spread at 7.5 didn't favor the Mountaineers. They do end up covering that, but... Doesn't mean much. I'm Mike Osti, and this is our Backyard Brawl postgame show throughout the Sports Now family of networks, Pittsburgh Sports Now, WB Sports Now. We've had your full, complete coverage from both the Pitt and West Virginia perspective, and I love that I already have some chat action here. I have my colleagues down at the press conferences there for Narduzzi and Neil Brown, and I would imagine Neil Brown is pretty lit after seeing him walk off the field. And I don't mean walk. I mean run off the field with a referee who was getting an earful from him. And it's not often you see uh, everyone's favorite friend or uncle Neil Brown getting that upset, <laughs> but certainly was there at the end. Okay. I really wish we could found Neil Brown now. What a joke. I don't know if you can put this game on Neil Brown guys. I, I have been somebody critical of him in media. I said that he was on the hot seat this year, losing a game in which you're seven and a half point dog in entering covering that spread controversy at the end. Yes. It took a while to get going, but this is a new QB, a new offense. I don't know where, where Neil Brown really is the culprit in this game. Certainly there, maybe you can be mad at the ref. You can be mad at the pick six. He didn't throw that pass to Neil Brown and you can be mad at Charles Woods getting hurt. Obviously an injury is not his fault. You can be mad at the, the targeting in this game. You can be mad at some things that are people's fault or not, and maybe some bad luck, but I know the fourth and one call. I do see that there. Uh, that meant, Did that lose the game for you? I don't see firing Neil Brown in this one, guys. So that seems a little knee jerk to be immediately out on Neil Brown, unless you were out on him prior to the game. Because this a moral victory is not a big win. That doesn't count. The tech win last year is all you get, and they weren't nearly as good as some thought. And then you also look at Pitt destroy WVU, better overall team. Yeah. Pitt does have the better overall team. That's been clear, by the way, undisclosed location here in the Active Shore Press Box. Uh, so that can happen there where people can interrupt. But nonetheless, yeah, Pitt's the better team. But I think, and I was talking to some colleagues here during this game, you leave this game and Pitt won. So that's all Pitt had to do. It's a rivalry game. You win. That's all you need to do. 
Okay, I freaking forgot my headset to put in my bag before I covered the game. I didn't get a W here. I'm not coming at it with my A game either. And and that's how West Virginia is probably feeling right now. But you don't get a win. But you got to feel good about the offense eventually clicking. You got to feel good about the defensive line. Really good against a really, really, really strong pit O-line that battled the trenches. You could argue West Virginia won, even though they didn't win this game. So there's reason for optimism on WVU in particular, certainly entering this game. A lot of people were saying on both, both media sides covering either team saying that you're leaving this game actually thinking more of West Virginia than you did entering the game. And for Pitt, it's not like you're going to be down on Pitt necessarily, but people, Desmond Howard, putting him in the playoff, playoff, they might have to play a little better than this to be getting in the playoff. It's not going to be easy for them even next week against Tennessee, even though that's a home game. So they have the front situation of that schedule kind of brutal where West Virginia has easier ones coming up before going to Blacksburg. And again, Pitt came into the game as a team who won the ACC, was in a major bowl game. Yes, you lose the Heisman candidate quarterback, but you have a Big-time transfer who threw some money passes in this game. Slovis showed what he can do. So did JT Daniels. But Pitt absolutely still can be a very good team this year. They did win this game. They showed what they can do by getting the victory, and that's mental fortitude. But I think you can feel better in terms of how they played about West Virginia, maybe feel different about WVU after this game than before, even though they didn't get a win. And, yeah, I could see why Pitt fans maybe were concerned about some things by the Panthers, but nothing is lost here. That looked like the crest call to reverse the completion. Looked like the ball hit the ground. Win by Pitt. So Eddie Mahoney, I want to actually touch on that now. We're going to get Mike Oster back here for our post game show here. Pitt does win it thirty eight to thirty one. Come to our complete coverage. Go to our complete coverage. Pittsburgh Sports Now, WV Sports Now, all our social networks. You have the game recaps on both of those two outlets. And you will find everything you need as well as the post-game press conferences on the Pittsburgh Sports Live YouTube channel and on WVSN's own individual YouTube channel. So, Ed, I do want to touch on that now because that's what everyone's going to be talking about. That's what people are going to be talking about for a year. There are going to be West Virginia fans that are going to say it was a unfair loss, a controversial loss. You know, controversies here that I, I think we can all agree there's controversy a little bit when you overturn a call like that at the end. And this will only add fuel to the rivalry. You're only going to see more intensity next year because WVU fans are going to feel like, okay, we entered the game. We weren't the better team. Maybe both teams played kind of equal when you look at the overall numbers and how the game unfolded. We both had our issues. Yes, West Virginia's pick six. That was really bad on JT and the team. But should have been a victory. If you're going to, if you call it a completion, you're likely hammering it home into the end zone. To me though, I find it interesting that it was overturned. So I'm not in any way going to say, I know conclusively that it was hundred percent a catch or really that it wasn't. I saw several different angles there. And one of them looked really, really bad from the West Virginia perspective, to be honest with you. One of them looked like you're taking the ball and skidding it on the ground and you're using the ground maybe to help try to stabilize the catch, if anything. You can't use the ground to make the catch. So that looked really bad. That one angle looked bad. Several other angles looked like you're holding and okay, you're making it a catch and you kind of have the possession and then maybe you drag and you're real close to the ground. That is what it looked like in several other angles. However, the weirdness from this and why I think West Virginia fans maybe have an argument here, and again, I'm not saying that 
you know, it's a controversial necessarily tag on this game. Pit one and the pick six is why I can't hear WVU fans complaining because you throw a pick six towards the end of the game when you kind of have it maybe in your grasp. It is your fault that you let the game get away, even though you maybe played better and closer than some would have thought. But again, the original call being catch, you got to have conclusive evidence to overturn a call. Did anyone here, did anybody watching this game, who can tell me definitively 100% you know what went on on that? You know that wasn't a catch. The original call being catch, I was sitting there and I said to myself, look, I don't know if that's a catch or not. I think it actually might not be a catch, but I could see it being called a catch and having the call stand because the original call was catch. Review City in this game. And and again, I'm a guy who may be unpopular opinion here. I kind of hate the way reviews work. If it takes just so long to figure it out, that's not conclusive evidence enough to be able to overturn a call and you got to go with what stands. That wasn't as long as some other ones, but that maybe tells me they weren't confident in their initial call. I, if it was me, if I'm the ref off of what I saw initially, I didn't think it was a catch, to be honest with you. If I was a ref standing down there or from my vantage point in the press box, I would have said no catch initially. But once you get to the point where you call it catch, then it's weird. I could see the fogginess in terms of overturning it. I do want to go back to the chat here. Okay. Have you pitted tonight? Yeah. Well, pit fans have certainly been used to maybe their team in years past kind of blowing some games. They thought they were going to to win or maybe should have won controversy even when the pit penn state rivalry came back to be the pit fans wanted narduzzi's head at that point and obviously last year being a special year but you did have the loss to western michigan early on i'm sure some pit fans still upset about that that one and then the other game against miami ruining the playoff hopes there have been that that uh that phrase pitting games obviously everyone knows here in the backyard brawl west virginia has squandered games they otherwise should have won. And I don't mean 13-9. I'm talking about in recent memory. In the Neil Brown era, even, those games have existed. So both of these two teams have experienced that. But it was one of those for West Virginia in a way. It wasn't where they were heavy favored and they blew it. No, they were underdog in this game. It wasn't like the other team totally outplayed them. No, these two teams relatively were even, even though West Virginia made that critical mistake. But when you have an evenly matched game, a rivalry game, and two teams trying to figure out new QBs and new OCs in week one, when you're shaking kinks off, the first big mistake could do it. And that first big mistake was towards the end of the game. And West Virginia maybe had it in their grasp. You see the pick six. This crowd was rocking all the way through. There were a lot of West Virginia fans for this being a road game. A lot of WVU fans do live in Pittsburgh, but also a lot had to travel. But obviously, majority Pitt fans, this is in Pittsburgh. This is at AccuSure Stadium. This is Pitt's home game. It was majority Pitt. We'll see how rocking it is for Pitt fans throughout the rest of the season in some games. But it really turned up. That that turned up another dial after that pick six because Pitt fans felt like, okay, we have momentum. We're going to do this. They're going to blow this. We're going to win this game. And that's what you really want. You just want to win it, even if you feel like maybe you weren't at your best and your rival kind of did play well, or maybe it was closer than what a spread should say. Pitt ended up with a victory nonetheless. Any of the major points to this game? Obviously, that the, 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 the no catch at the end, Neil Brown's upset. That's what's going to be talked about 100%. And again, I will reiterate, I didn't think it was a catch initially. 
But once it's called catch, it's tough for me to see the overturn. But West Virginia can't complain just off of that. The pick six on JT was bad. That was, that was a bad pick six. You can't have it in that moment. West Virginia kind of did let this one get away in a, in a way. You could certainly argue here. Again, find us Pittsburgh Sports Now, WV Sports Now for a post-game recap and post-game coverage. And I don't even just mean at the end of this game here. I mean in the coming days <laughs> coming up after the backyard brawl. And I don't think anyone could be upset. Obviously, West Virginia fans want to win. They're upset about losing, but about the pageantry here. You got the tailgates, you got home away tailgates, you got song, songs out there, you got Sweet Caroline, you got Country Roads, you're hearing it in the parking lot, you got a packed house here, it's rocking. Pitt fans were heard during Sweet Caroline, let's go Pitt, a little louder than what West Virginia fans tried to say, but I can't say here. And you had a really, really good game overall. It was a long one for us, but it was it was a really, really good game overall. The ball clearly hit the ground, wasn't even close. Okay, I don't think you can say it wasn't even close. Again, I think you, we need to understand here on the way how reviews work. And again, because obviously this is a mix of Pitt and West Virginia fans, I want to make this clear probably to the Pitt fans. I'm not saying West Virginia got screwed here. They threw the pick six. They let this game get away. Okay, I'm gonna I'll tell West Virginia fans right in front of them. This isn't a a unfair loss if they want to put that out there. However, the original call was catch. The original call was catch, and there were several anglers that looked like you had the ball. So to say that it wasn't even close, I think, is a bit ridiculous. Um, pretty clear it wasn't even a catch again, and this is all going to be – okay, so what will be talked about is a view punting on fourth and short. So we talked about the controversy of the catch. People brought up Neil Brown. You won Neil Brown's head early in this broadcast here, probably because of that call because there's really nothing else you can point to. And again, void of a really big-time win. This is year four again. The Virginia Tech win last year, it doesn't look that great with how not good Virginia Tech eventually showed that they were and got exposed. But playing well in this game isn't a win. So you're not going to mark this down as a big moment for Neil Brown. And I would have rather gone for it 100%. I mean, you it's like what happened earlier in the game. I mean, you're going to make gutsy calls earlier in the game as the underdog playing on the road, put your chips in the middle, it's house money. No one thinks you're going to win. You have the entire game day crew pick the opponent, your rival. I get it. I would have liked to see a fourth and short, especially when you've already seen JT basically fall over for a touchdown. I mean, th those type of calls that it, it was gutsy earlier on. And then it kind of got conservative towards the end. And again, I'm not firing Neil Brown after week one, though. This is year four. And there's, I bet he should be in the hot seat, but he's not going to get fired. And it's week one. You're the underdog. You got to have time to fix things. But maybe too conservative has been a tag for, for Brown. And that looked like it there. The line play, many offsides call lazy effort on the turnover. Okay, so the effort on the turnover, I could actually see that because the interception was bad, and obviously that was going to shift things. You're going to get a return to at least the 20-yard line no matter what because there was so much space in front. But I don't want to say lazy effort, but it did look like a situation where you get a pick and then all of a sudden there was space to have it go pick six when it originally just looked like a turnover. So I'm not going to call someone lazy and let, you know, unless I know. But that didn't look great. No, that was that was obviously the worst moment of the game for West Virginia, even worse than the call at the end being overturned. And on the line play, because we had an article on WB Sports Now about the battle in the trenches 
it was going to decide this. And I don't want to say it didn't decide this, but I do think West Virginia's defensive line in particular, certainly Dante Stills and company, certainly in the first half, if nothing else, really played well against a really strong Pitt offensive line. Pitt's offensive line could be one of the better offensive lines in the entire country this whole year. So you got to factor that in. And yeah, Dante Stills is great, but who knows? You're facing off against maybe your toughest test all season in week one. And I do think the sacks they got on Slovis, being able to get there quickly in time and not even allow him to scramble out, he can certainly move. I do think West Virginia's defensive line, in terms of that battle of the trenches, the D-line for WVU and Pitt's O-line, WVU's D-line maybe even won the day, certainly early on. But you go to West Virginia's offensive line, that's also probably an L for the Mountaineers. West Virginia's offensive line wasn't good enough last year, has been criticized for a couple years. It's a veteran group this year. Many national pundits think it actually could be a lot better. It was supposed to help this team with inexperienced backs on the ground. Tony Matheson company. He broke a couple, but not nearly enough overall. They don't have a Letty Brown over there to be a workhorse. You need time for JT Daniels or else he's going to get hurt like he's been in his career and to open up space for the air raid and for receivers to find a spot. So they had a lot of work to do. Zach Frazier, Doug Nestor, et cetera. There are some veterans there. I thought they played okay. But absolutely not nearly good enough. All those off-sides off calls. It's certainly late in the game. That's on West Virginia. So Pitt, I don't know if it was Pitt doing it to them or they were doing it to themselves. Either way, Pitt's defensive line definitely won that battle. So battle of the trenches, WVU won it on their D-line but lost it on their offensive line. So maybe that's split, but Pitt ends up with a victory in the game. Okay, I will say the WVU quarterback played a hell of a game, made a lot of throws under pressure, and that's from a Pitt fan there, Josh. So, okay. I'll kind of, I do want to evaluate the QBs now, to be honest with you. And let me pull up their numbers here right in front of me. So, obviously, that was a story in this game, to say the least. And that might have been why we have game day. These are two USC transfers to national recruits, big-time QBs. Pitt loses the Heisman candidate from last year that led them to their most special season in decades. West Virginia loses Jared Dagey, who put up yards but didn't put up enough points. He's been a cast-off. They kind of agreed to divorce, and he ended up going to Western Kentucky, transferring out when he didn't win that job, and then not winning the job at Troy, granted only there a few days prior to that announcement. So you're figuring West Virginia is heavily upgrading at QB with JT Daniels. At least the potential was there, but he's been hurt a lot. Haven't seen it really for a full season in a while. One game to Georgia, but they won a national title without him. So, again, it was an unknown, even though there's somewhat familiarity with Graham Harrell, even though Keaton Slovis was Graham Harrell's QB back at USC. So there's even familiarity between those two on opposite sidelines. Keaton Slovis, another big-time QB transfer in. Great offense, but a new OC. A lot of weapons, but you're losing Jordan Addison. So he thought he was getting Addison when he went to Pitt. What are you getting? And it took a while for both teams to get those offenses going. It really did. And even again, even maybe against West Virginia in terms of Bryce Ford Wheaton, stepped up at times, but also had some bad drops in the game. That's not against JT, even though the pick is. But both QBs showed the potential in them, is what I saw. So I saw certainly from Keaton Slobus throwing some money balls, some money balls certainly on the sideline. Keaton Slobus showed you, and again, it's hard to replace a Heisman candidate 
Kenny Pickett, a first-round draft pick, the only QB taken in the first round. Now on the Steelers, fighting for that position there. So, obviously, big shoes to fill. One of the greatest pick quarterbacks of all time. Look at the career that he had at Pitt, Kenny Pickett. And it didn't happen right away. He had to build himself into that. was there a long time. Went from falling out of favor to becoming a Pitt legend by the time he left in a Heisman candidate. Who knows what Keaton Slovis is going to be in terms of his legacy, and he's not going to be able to be there as long as Kenny Pickett, but showed the talent, showed the talent in this game. You could definitely see it, and I think JT Daniels showed the talent in this game despite the mistake there at the end, which ended up killing things. But it's not easy offense to learn for JT either. JT Daniels, 23 for 40, so 57% completion-wise, 214 yards, two TDs, one pick, a QB weighting of 139 so too many incompletions there, but that did include some drops on the receivers. Maybe you put that on the receivers at times. The yards, not nearly enough for that many points on the board. You got to be more explosive. Jared Daggy put up a lot of yards for WVU, even though more points are here. And a lot of field position was involved here. Both teams' punters showed up in this game. So field position was a thing, certainly. Two TDs, the one pick, obviously sacked three times as well. The one pick, really, really bad at the end. It just is. I mean, that's what's going to be. That's a focus. Even with the controversy at the end on the no catch, that's a focus too. You go over to Keaton Slovis. Slovis, less overall passes thrown in this game, which is interesting with all the points Pitt put up last year and how much they were a passing team a season ago. Slovis, 16 for 24, 66% completion-wise. He did throw for 308, so less completions, but more yards for him versus JT. Only the one TD and a quarterback rating of 188. So he was sacked five times, and that goes again to West Virginia's defensive line winning that battle of the trenches. But Keaton Slovis was smart with the football, didn't turn it over, didn't throw a pick, was very efficient, with only the eight incompletions there, and got a lot of yards, even only the one TD, though, on only 24 attempts. That's big-time ball. I got to say, Slovis played the better game between these two, obviously, because JT made the critical mistake at the end and had a lot more attempts with less yards. But I think both QBs showed their worth and what they can be. They showed some special passes that I I, I don't think every quarterback would be making, even though it, it's been a while maybe to get here in terms of Maybe the East Coast learning about these guys coming from USC and JT with a stop there in Georgia. The pick six wasn't on Daniels. It's just bad. It's just bad. to. I mean, yeah, and I mentioned earlier, so Bryce Ford Wheaton, again, and I'm going to go to Bryce Ford Wheaton here. So Bryce Ford Wheaton put up, and he was a receiver that had to step up this year, had to step up this year to be a true number one, and not that he's not, but a true number one for the Mountaineers to really get to that next level. Obviously, Reese Smith, Sam James, they're going to be involved. You get more receivers involved in air aid. But Bryce for Wheaton had to really step up and cut down even drops from a season ago. For Wheaton, 9 for 97, two TDs, a longer of 22, and an average of 10.8. That's not bad by any means, but certainly let some get away. You could maybe say that that was on Bryce Ford Wheaton there, but to be honest with you, there was a couple balls JT either overthrew. And again, I'm not saying it was a horrendous outing. I think he showed some talent in there, but there are a lot of those incompletions. There were some either that were overthrown throughout this game or were passes that weren't put to where only his receiver could get it. That's why I still put that on JT. Was that only where his receiver could get it? Was it only Bryce or was there other opportunity? It wasn't only Bryce that could get it in terms of the traffic that was there. But yeah, it bounced. Either way, it was just bad. bad. 
maybe more around that point. It was, I think six minutes left, so it's not like we're talking about two minute clock to just round and pound and run it out. But to have that critical turnover, that's where this game was lost much more than at the end with the no catch or catch or whatever you want to call it, depending on really what team you're rooting for here. Bryce for Whedon had a great game, but man, he's got to fix those ups. That's what I'm talking about. Again, the stats are good. I didn't say he had a bad game. He had a good game. He had a number one wide receiver numbers-wise type of game. Almost 100 yards, an average of 10 plus. Got himself in the end zone. Hard to be mad. But you watch it, and there were critical drops in this game. There were critical drops all throughout last year. The drops aren't zero. He's wearing number zero, but his drops aren't zero. And that's that's a problem. Okay, Mike, the hardest part of watching these Neil Brown WU teams is the predictability of mistakes, always committing critical mistakes at the worst time. And then we see JT played great. I'm, with that many incompletions, it's hard to say he played great. But again, a lot of that might be on the receivers as well. Again, not enough yards there to say he played great. I, I think he played good. I think he even played really good at times. And those passes look crisp at times. Narduzzi, before the game, said he's obviously the starter. He can throw pretty much any ball. I do think JT showed really good things. So did Slovis. But Slovis played a little bit better and ended up winning this game. And in terms of Neil Brown overall, because this is going to be the commentary all year long, certainly depending on what type of year WU has. And nationally, some have said four to five wins. I honestly thought maybe six or seven. I do think they would get a bowl game at least, but you got to try to lock it in sooner than like last year where you're crawling in and then you're going to lose that mediocre bowl game. Just didn't look good last year. Looked like they were a worse team than their record. And again, lacking big wins. You have the one top 15 winning of Virginia Tech. They weren't really that good. They got exposed. So how much do you want to count that? And I know I think Kansas State before, but again, they got exposed. And is that really that big? How much do you want to count that? Bad losses at times, and the offense didn't look exciting. It looked more exciting in this game, though, than it has in three years. They might not win that much because the schedule is going to get brutal out to Virginia Tech, and they should win the next two games, obviously, Kansas and Towson. But in Blacksburg, is not going to be easy. And then you got some ranked teams coming up in conference after the bye. But – even if they don't win more games, it should be a more entertaining Mountaineer team, to say the very, very least. I have said this, though, and what I know. I do think Neil Brown should be in the hot seat this year, 100%. Year four, you got to win more, 17-18 overall, just not good enough, not enough big wins, bad losses. Just, I get it. Cupboard was bare. He's a really, really nice guy. Brought a lot of alums back, a lot of legends back. I get it. I hear it. They tell me we like them. Everyone likes them. Everyone slipped the, slipped the Kool-Aid coming in. So did I. But it hasn't been enough. And you can't just go year five, six, seven and just be the same. You got to climb. You got to really go up. So I do think there should absolutely be pressure on him and he should be in the hot seat this year. He's not going to get fired after this year, though. I do think with his recruiting class and what he has coming in, he will be there next season unless this really goes off the rails and they win two or three games. But it'll be interesting. W play better than I thought they were going to in this game, honestly, even though they should have won this game and, and they did not. All right. Any more in the chat here? I'm not going to do this all night as I probably could because I'm here at the stadium and it's a long night. We're already midnight and I got a lot of coverage to wrap up for myself and my crew. Um, 
Mathis doesn't need to be the starting running back. That's from a West Virginia fan, obviously talking about the WU running game. Who are you going to pick? Come on now. He was, <laughs> Come on now. There's no experience in the running room. I get it. He had a couple big spots. It's not like he had a great game. I will talk in a second about what Pitt did on the running game, even if it's not asked here in the chat, because who knows the disparity between Pitt and WU fans at this point. Maybe more Pitt fans are celebrating and more WU fans are in YouTube chats complaining about the outcome of this game. But he played okay, but who else is going to be the one? I mean, that's obviously an issue and weakness for West Virginia. You don't have Letty Brown there anymore. The offensive line needs to be better. It played better, but not nearly good enough. Who else is going to be the one? I mean, you have it's basically by committee, but who else is going to who else is going to be the one if it's not Mathis? Now, on Pitt's front in terms of the running game, and Mike Fakovican actually told me this on our show leading up to this season and this game. And he said this a lot last year. I did shows with them too. Obviously, Pitt's offense, hard to complain. They put tons of points on the board. Even in the Western Michigan loss, tons of points on the board. Kenny Pickett had six TDs in that game, tying a Pitt single-game record. But not enough maybe from the running game early on. I know two years ago, a lot of Pitt fans didn't think nearly the running game gave them enough. And it's been a while since Pitt's found that really workhorse back. The James Conner, the LaShawn McCoy. It's been a while for Pitt. And it might be more of a one-two punch now with Abanacanda and then Hammond. But Hammond, really, from 5-9, I know a lot of people thought maybe he's not big enough to be the guy. That's why you got to have it by committee. And I'm not saying he can chunk 200 yards out there like Shady could or James Conner could. But, man, he didn't just get himself in the end zone. He worked for those one, two yards to get himself into that end zone at times and bullied West Virginia defenders. You're going to look at a tape for West Virginia's defense. If you're going to look at that tape, you're going to see him bullying the W defenders much bigger than him at a 5'9 frame. And yeah, he's a boulder, but he's not incredibly large and getting himself in there. So you got to give a dap for a small guy being that brutal. He brawled himself to get himself in the end zone. So tip of the cap for him. Pitt's running game gave you something. Will you see more? Maybe more by committee than Pitt's ever done. And maybe, you know. 800 yards for both of them this year, something like that. That's kind of the goal here. Hammond Jr., 16 for 74, an average of 4.6. Nobody else got more than an average of three. And Havana Kanda, only 15 yards, an average of 1.9, even though he was. I thought he was utilized more than these numbers showing me here, just watching it. But Hammond Jr. was the story there, the two touchdowns. And again, just bully ball right on the goal line. So showing that it's, you know, not tons of yards there, not over 100 yards on the ground, but West Virginia's D-line also showed up and played very well in this game. But boy, boy, he was a boulder and used his strength. Mike Osta here, our Backyard Brawl post-game show, live from an undisclosed location inside the press box here at now Akashur Stadium in Pittsburgh. Home of the Steelers, but also home of Pitt. So they did have this first one of the return in Pittsburgh. A lot of Pitt fans here, of course. Maybe a better turnout than Pitt normally gets in games. A lot of West Virginia fans. The whole 75-25 ESPN saying more West Virginia fans are going to be here. That didn't happen. That's ludicrous. And you, you heard let's go Pitt a lot more than the other words during Sweet Caroline. We will see, though, down in Morgantown next year. I'm sure that'll be a rocking house. Obviously, a incredibly large majority, if not 90-plus percent WVU fans. You got some WVU fans in Pittsburgh. You don't have any Pitt fans in Morgantown. So it'll be ha having to get in the car and make a journey for the Pitt fans. Will you do that, Pitt fans? Uh, maybe more so after this game with what you're going to hear on Twitter probably and on social media with West Virginia fans saying maybe it was controversial, certainly at the end on the overturn. 
And as I said at the top of the show, I didn't think it was a catch, but to call it a catch initially and then overturn it, did you see enough to overturn it? I might have let it go, but the pick six is what killed the Mountaineers who let this one get away. But a win for college football, a win for the atmosphere, a win for the fans, really, even including WVU on the loss, a win for media, a win for me. I got to see a lot of people I haven't seen in a long time, and it was a reunion of sorts for me. So obviously that's all a plus, but Pitt does get the victory 38 to 31. Mike Osti, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Osti 11 if you want to carry this on after the broadcast. And of course, our post game coverage, our post game recaps, everything. And this means now leading up to week two for both of these two teams, recapping this, some featured stories, what's going on, press conferences, news and notes, analysis, all of it, Pittsburgh Sports Now and WV Sports Now. So anything else here you guys want to bring up? Um, I think we mostly touched on what needs to be touched on in this game. I am going to bounce here soon, but anything else? Okay, so I know I'm in the majority, but I'm really excited for the rest of the year. Pitt is a really good ball team, and we beat ourselves. I'm excited to see how the rest of the season plays out. And that, I'm assuming, is from WVU fan as well. Yeah, I do think WVU let this game slip away. Pitt is a really, really good team. They might look better than this game in future games, maybe even coming up here, even though that won't be as easy as maybe – some think because Tennessee has been overrated in years, but they should have a good team this year. So I do think Pitt is a really good team. Do I think they're a playoff team? No. Do I think they're guaranteed to win the ACC again? No. I think Clemson got really good at the end of last year, and they're freaking Clemson. They're going to be really good at getting tons of talent. People are on the Miami train. I don't know if I'm there yet because Miami's let people down for years. Pitt will be right there. Pitt's a very, very Good team. And they had to avoid going 0-2 with these two tough out-of-conference games. They win one, so they didn't play fantastic, but they won it. And they did what they had to do at times. I think Slovis is going to get better. The passes were really money at times. That offense is going to get better. It's more versatile maybe than last year, even if maybe the passing is a little bit down. Again, you got to get yourself going. It is week one. The defense did have a tough test against JT in the air raid, who played better than I would have thought as well for week one, even though maybe some Pitt fans are going to want that defense to have played better. Are we worried about the secondary? Uh, and that goes to West Virginia in terms of Charles Wood. So if, there were several players that West Virginia could not have go down and be without for a significant period of time this year to have this season be a quote-unquote good year. JT Daniels is one of them. The other – Charles Woods. And people could argue Dante Stills is ahead of Charles Woods in terms of that list of a guy you can't lose. Yeah, you don't want to lose Stills. But the, the secondary is just full and littered with inexperience or transfers. And I'm not saying transfer don't have experience. Some got to transfer that won three national titles at a lower level. But not this experience, not this offense, or not, not this system, not against this offense, not against these offenses. So... That makes it an issue. You just cannot afford to lose Woods. You cannot. It didn't look good early on. I, I would be lying if I know his prognosis. I'm sure Neil Brown talked about in the press conference. We'll have it on the site. We have the original story on the site. Logan's down there. He'll get more of that for us. And it could be bad. It could be. It didn't look good at the time. So he was in the tent. He didn't have to get carted off. He was helped off. That's a positive. But you cannot be without him for a significant period of time. That will be a, a major problem, obviously, for West Virginia in the secondary. I'm going to do this. Before I go here, I'm going to say the most positive thing for Pitt, the most positive thing for West Virginia, and then the most negative thing for both. And this obviously goes to the rest of the season. 
So the most positive thing for Pitt was the I actually think was maybe Hammond Jr. in terms of just emerging as a beast down there and showing what they can do maybe on the ground to diversify the offense. And you could obviously easily point to Slovis as well, who had a real solid game and threw some money balls and looked really good at times. 300-plus yards passing, had the TD, no interceptions. That's a really, really good day. So everyone can say Slovis. I think Hammond's in there as well. And then bad for Pitt again is – how many sacks that offensive line allowed? That offensive line was supposed to be the best unit on the team. Some thought even better than last year because they're more experienced. And that was an O-line that led Pickett to being a Heisman candidate. Pickett, really, really good, but he had a great offensive coordinator. Really, really good offensive line with him as well. And if all those things didn't marry together, who knows? Pickett again, very, very good. But that O-line, he will be first to say, was part of it. They didn't look that fantastic in week one against WVU. No, the offensive line for Pitt needs to be a lot better for West Virginia. Okay, I think – and they didn't win, so obviously this is going to be tougher. But I do think they played better than people thought they were going to entering this game, 100%. I think, again, the defensive line looked really good for the Mountaineers. I think Stills and the team getting that many sacks and getting that much pressure on a mobile quarterback like Slovis – that's a big deal. That could really help you down there in Blacksburg because you know that game is going to just be weirdly 16-15. It's just how the WVU Tech games go. So I think that that defensive line, the defensive unit for West Virginia played really, really well against the strong pit offense, even with Woods being hurt. And you could also say JT looked good at times, but the pick at the end, all the incompletions, it's hard for me to have him be the guy. And then – the the kind of letting it go at the end there and turn it over at the end. Maybe you could point to the call. I would like to go for it. You're gutsy early. Then you get conservative. You can criticize Brown, but of course he's not getting fired today or this season really, but there's pressure on him. He's on the hot seat for sure. So those bad moments certainly can get in your craw. Special teams for both teams looked really good, especially the punting side. So I got some for the brand, uh, really solid highlight reel prime time punts. I'm sure Pat McAfee, who was here, would be really, really proud of. Anything else in the chat, guys? I'm going to now get you over to the website, to our Sports Now coverage. Pitt obviously has Tennessee. West Virginia will open up the season at home. They'll get out of this funky away land. Oh, the backyard brawl in Pittsburgh, even though it's as, I guess, friendly as it can be for a road game and as close as it can be for a road game, but they will have that home game against Kansas and then Towson. They should be two wins. Nothing's guaranteed in the world, of course. And then you'll have that journey to Blacksburg and then Texas and then a bye. And then you've got some teams on schedule. It will not be easy at all for the Pitt Panthers after the tennis game. Cause obviously that next one also is at home. And then you got an easier sled there. You got Western Michigan. You got Rhode Island. Georgia Tech is not going to be great. So those are three more wins in a row. You also play Virginia Tech, and that'll be at home, though, whereas West Virginia going on the road. We can talk all day about scheduling, but I think one thing that got to be true, everybody's happy you have the backyard brawl back. College football needs the backyard brawl. Conference realignment, conference chaos, it's all about money. But the backyard brawl is good. I'm sure it brought the ratings, it brought the interest, it brought the national exposure, it brought the rivalry back and the love from these fans, all a positive. 
you can't fit tons of out-of-conference games that are good, and maybe West Virginia is making it too tough. You know, three straight years out-of-conference game against the Power Five on the road, or not at home at least. Multiple rival returns in the same year in the first quarter of the season on the road. This year, Pitt and Virginia Tech. Good next year, you're going to go on the road to Penn State, bringing that back. You're still going to play Pitt, even though it'll be at home next year. Not easy. Not easy. So maybe you're making the schedule a little too tough when you have ranked games in the conference. And the Big 12 not the SEC. Lord knows it won't be in the future. But Alabama, they play so many ranked games in conference, in the SEC. So they build up those ranked games there. That's why even if they lose a game, they're going to get a beef up on their ranking. And they probably deserve it because the schedule's freaking murderer's row. If you're second in the SEC, you played five or six ranked teams in the year because all of them are ranked all the time. And they're really, really good clubs. So you're going to throw in Mercer as an out-of-conference game. No one's going to be mad at it because you have so many ranked games in conference. Well, as we stand right now, West Virginia has – let's go back to WVU. West Virginia has one, two, three, three currently, and that could change. So that's – I mean, that's something. And, again, you got tough games here. Actually, four because that included Pitt. So four ranked games on the schedule. Again, it's going to be rough. They're going to be underdogs in a lot of these. For Pitt, again, I don't think the playoffs happening, but – you got to win. You got to win over your rival. You didn't play at your best, and yet you got the win. And yet you shaked off. You were shaking kinks off, and you shook those kinks off, and you won. You did what you had to do. You took care of business. You can really impress. And if Pitt goes 2-0, and a winner of WVU, not ranked, but a rival, and a lot of fans here for West Virginia, and then one over Tennessee, but they're both at home, that's where you go from 16-17 to getting into that top 10. That's why that 16-17 spot wasn't that bad. And once you get in the top 10, you have an outside shot at the playoff. Obviously, if it expands to 12, you'd be there. But even right now at four, you have an outside shot. You keep on winning. You got to avoid the big-time upset like last year happened. But maybe you're looking for that revenge. You, you, Miami's still kind of fool's gold. Who knows? Last year, the Coastal, winning that will at least get you in for to try to defend the ACC title. So, again, Pitt right now is riding high for good reason, even though they weren't at their best, whereas West Virginia has to regroup. They feel like they maybe let one get away. The schedule will not be easy after the first quarter or so. They got to make sure they show up and show out against Kansas, the little team that they are in the Big 12. They got to show them why that their team that just plays basketball and nobody cares about them on the football field. They got to beat them up. They got to do it at home. They got to get wins against teams they're supposed to beat and not lay an egg and maybe get a big win later on. And there should be pressure on Neil Brown. He should be on the hot seat, but he's not going to get fired from this game. But yeah, gutsy early, conservative late, close. It finally exploded. A great rivalry. It's turned up now off of some controversy at the end. And West Virginia's critical mistake at the end kills the Mountaineers off the interception as Pitt ends up with the 38-31 to 31 win. You can point to the controversy at the end, and I do think it wasn't a catch, but the original call was catch, so that is tough to overturn. Either way, no matter what anybody thinks, Pitt wins the return of the backyard brawl, the first one in a decade. They do it at home in Pittsburgh. They win it 38-31. to 31. We will now see next year in Morgantown with that heat turned right up again. Pittsburgh Sports Now, WV Sports Now. Find us there. Find myself at MikeOssie11 on Twitter to engage with me there if you didn't get enough of it here. We'll close the shop now from 
the Akashore press box and this post game show. And that'll do it for the return of the backyard brawl. Hard to be disappointed, even on the, even on the losing side for West Virginia. It's hard to be disappointed. And Pitt fans obviously got to be happy with the win no matter how it ended up happening. But Pitt wins the return of the backyard brawl. The overall backyard brawl, a win for college football, a really a win for the fans, a win for the region, a win for really everybody otherwise than the team actually lost here on the football field. So that'll do it. Again, find us where you can. Hit that subscribe button, bottom of this video, on any channel that you're watching this video. And I'll try to do more of these after games this year. Certainly, we will also have coverage for both Pitt and West Virginia and all of our teams throughout our Sports Now Network. Also, Penn State over there at Nittany Sports Now as they took on Purdue on this same night in the game that I don't know if anyone was worried about, but ended up being a little interesting and odd in of itself. So Pitt wins the return. The rebirth of the backyard brawl goes to the Panthers. West Virginia maybe feels like they let one get away because they did, despite being the underdog. They did let one get away. Yeah, it was controversial at the end. Shouldn't have been there. You let one get away. Pitt, they get the victory. The victor goes the spoils. We'll now get chapter two next year. Get ready. I know you're already excited. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.